0: I don't want to be strong like man who look pretty i want to be strong like bitch that fight bears in the forest welcome to another episode of bitch vs bear with your hosts me amber and my bestie sydney mm-hmm. we are co-owners of shield maiden training co and this is a show where we bitch laugh and chat about all things fitness related to women and the lgbtqia plus community that is correct. And you didn't stumble. Like, I didn't stumble. You did the whole thing. I almost thought I was going to sneeze at one point.
1: <laughs> if it but makes, we made it. If it makes it into the pre-reel. <laughs> Just me saying, bless you. Yeah.
0: Cool. So what are, what, are, what are we doing this week? It's a new month. It
1: is. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a new month. Uh, August. It's like the end of... What? Yeah. It's the end of summer. No wait. Yeah. Yeah, it's August. Magic. I did not register at all. Yeah. Definitely thought we were going to start July again. Nope.
0: Nope. It's <laughs> August. Great, great. Good times.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good times. So we are going to be chatting about and kind of like looking into health and fitness disparities that plague women of color. Uh, I think it's important to note that while we don't identify as members of that group, Um, and we are not attempting to like speak for all of the women of color in that group. We acknowledge that the disparities do exist. Yes. Yes. Um, Uh, We had a little conversation ahead (laughs) of this where I was like, I don't know if I, am I qualified to be talking about these things, but also like, I know that I need to talk about these things. And then Amber responded with welcome to allyship. I was like, oh, got it. Right, right. right.
0: Yes. The, uh, the, the, what is it? Cognitive dissonance of trying to figure out how to advocate without feeling like you should be speaking about the topic. Yes. Yeah. I face that all the time as <laughs> an <Okay>. ally. <laughs> cool. it's, it's fun because, yeah, like you said, like we, we are not members of that community, but we are allies of it. Yes. So we should definitely be advocating for them and educating ourselves and others to advocate for them, but also towing the line of like what we know and can speak to without having those experiences ourselves.
1: Yes, I I think I, I definitely understand it. And it it is such a, a fine line of like, I don't want to take the voice away from and the experience of those people who can speak to it honestly and truthfully as like their lived experience while also being in the group that is of advantage and knowing that I need to advocate and be the, the help the momentum of change, yes. not be the change, but help with the momentum of it. Um, be part of the change. Like, yeah. you know, I feel like
0: as, I don't know, as members of the majority group i don't know if that's right but yeah it's just people outside of the group i think it is on us to to make that change to facilitate that change to advocate for that change um it should not be just
1: on the members of that group <laughs> to force the change by themselves right <laughs> yeah because that's not gonna happen that's not gonna happen and i yeah it's such a, it's such an interesting, especially because we are in a unique position where we are not necessarily the majority, right? Well, yes. Like, but we are in some cases. Like, we are of a mon- minority group of like of women who have been disadvantaged for a long time, and then like, you know, all the, the. It feels a little bit like people put it in a hierarchy. It's like, yeah, well, you're at least a white woman, and it's yes. like. Like, there is that privilege. There is that privilege. And I understand that. But I'm a white woman who is also identified as (laughs) LGBTQIA and all of the other things. So, like, I I don't like thinking about it like a hierarchy. It's like, no, I think things that benefit one group generally benefit the entirety of people who have been oppressed. (laughs) Yes. So, like, yes, we all have to work together. Yeah, they, to make that change happen. The advocacy for this will have a positive effect on just all women in general, right? Like yeah. all women,
0: so, all people of color, all minority groups.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a long-winded <laughs> way of saying we're going to jump into this topic with the understanding that we are advocating and it is by no means something that is a lived experience for us. Um, and also that this topic, it could we could really easily <laughs> spend like, Lots of episodes on it and we're going to try and do our best to cover things that we think that we can expand on. And we're gonna
0: cover we're gonna cover the surface this month. Yes, yeah, and there will be other months when we cover this topic and go a little deeper. Yeah,
1: yeah. Iceberg. This is just the tip. Just the tip, just for a second, (laughs) just to see how it feels. If you can name that movie, you will get bonus points and I will send you like coffee or something.
0: All right. So health disparities... Goodness, we're off to a good start. Health disparities among women of color refer to the unequal and often adverse health outcomes experienced by women from racial and ethnic minority groups when compared to their white counterparts. These disparities are the result of complex interactions between various social, economic, and environmental factors. So many. So many.
1: So many disparities, so many interlocked with all of those things. So it's this topic, like I said, is going to be very hard. We're going to kind of take glancing blows at some of these because it is so inextricably linked. Yeah. I feel like that's probably why we've waited like
0: almost a year before diving into
1: this topic. Yeah, before even (laughs) broaching this topic. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. So addressing health disparities among women of color requires a multifaceted approach that Mm -hmm. involves policymakers, healthcare providers, community organizers, and individuals. Strategies may include increase to affordable and culturally competent healthcare services, addressing social determinants of health, promoting health education, and preventative care. Yeah, so that's a huge one where we intersect as like. fitness kind of side of things. It's mm-hmm. like there's a lot of preventative health care that is done outside of healthcare settings. Yeah. And actively combating racism and discrimination within huh. the healthcare system. So that's going to be a huge thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, so by acknowledging and addressing these disparities, we can start to work towards achieving health equity for all women, regardless of their racial or ethnic background. Fantastic. Yes, we want that. Some of the key factors contributing to health disparities among women include some of the things that we're going to go into detail. Again, these are glancing blows. Yes.
0: Uh yes. Obviously there is a lot more nuance and depth to this topic and all the things we're going to cover in this episode. We just we we do not have the time.
1: No, it would be a three lived hour lived long, experience yeah, too. Three hour cause. long podcast. <laughs> And nobody wants that. And nobody wants that. We're not Joe Rogan.
0: Okay, so first off, we want to acknowledge uh, the socioeconomic disparity. Women of color often face higher rates of poverty, limited access to quality education and employment opportunities, which can impact their ability to access health care and can lead to poorer health outcomes.
1: I think the key in there that I really that quality education. We spent mm-hmm. a couple episodes last month yeah. talking about affordable quality education yes. uh, for children and like starting really young. And I think that's one of those things where this is a huge factor. Is like, okay. okay, it's socioeconomic, but like starting really young if there isn't that access, like we're yeah, we're not putting people on the a good footing from the get-go, right? right?
0: And that's so important. Like you need to, it, it has to start young yeah. to be, you know, fully effective.
1: It is. And so I think that for me, I'm like, okay, that could be an area where we advocate for change because yeah. especially you and I having a background in education mm-hmm. it's something that we understand, we know, and we can actually speak towards. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have a background in like healthcare in the traditional sense, but yeah, I, no. <laughs> I cannot speak much to that. No. Another disparity that women of color often face is face is the just the access and utilization of healthcare. Mm. So there's so many barriers to accessing healthcare services due to things like lack of health insurance, language barriers, cultural mm. differences, and then the discrimination within the healthcare system. Yeah. Which I think we go into a little bit at yeah. maybe down below, but if nothing else, I think uh, a good kind of tangible understanding is like women, you know, there's all kinds of discrimination in healthcare. Uh-huh. A very notable example is, ooh, this is bad. I don't remember which uh, William's sister it was, the tennis pro. When she had... Was it her first child or her second child? I think it was her second child, and she had told them like she had a really hard birth the first time. Um, there were a lot of things; she was in a lot of pain. And when her second child came, they didn't believe her, Ugh. and she almost died. And she's like, you're, "Because so many factors, including discrimination within the healthcare system, of like, mm-hmm. oh, you're just you know, you're you're over." exaggerating your pain and your your issues. Um and we are the the medical professionals and we know better.
0: Don't <laughs> you don't. Right. Like because you don't listen to your patients. Yeah. Um yeah, and this is a major issue for all women. And like I know we're talking specifically about women of color right now, but but it is a major issue in the healthcare system of physicians not believing women's pain mm-hmm. is real. I think what was it? I've been reading something online and I don't remember the exact context, but there was like this hospital where like the nurse or somebody was like stealing the pain medication and like replacing it with whatever. And so, like, this whole group of women received no pain medication for, I don't remember what the procedure was, but it was definitely one that we actually got pain medication for. Oh my gosh. And like, they kept telling their doctor, like this, this is not right. Like something is very, very wrong. And he was like, no, 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 you're fine. You're getting pain meds. And it's like, (laughs) no,
1: but I'm I'm not.
0: Like it's, it's that, that, you know, disconnect between physicians and, and the women they're treating where they're like, no, no, you're fine. Like your pain isn't real. Like, no, it is very real. Like we're not little baby men who like did a paper cut and die, but like, yeah still real. It's still real. We still experience pain. Ugh. Anyways. Okay. So, yeah. So what we've been talking about, discrimination and racism within the healthcare system. So this persistent racial and, and ethnic discrimination can lead to chronic stress, anxiety, and other mental health issues, which in turn, as we know, can affect
1: physical health. Yes.
0: So racism within the healthcare system can also lead to disparities in the quality of care received.
1: Just just one yep. big cycle of that. Yeah. It's just it's a cycle of bad. So we talked a, just glanced over it but this is a huge one for uh, women of color and specifically black women in America that uh um, oh, America. Yeah, m- maternal health disparities. And mm. I I wanted to expand on this one just a little bit because yeah. of all of our conversations last month with giving birth, pregnancy, child rearing, all of those things. So women of color experience higher rates of maternal mortality and morbidity compared to white women. Yikes. If you have been on the internet, you've probably seen a study. Like, it's it's everywhere. So these disparities and prenatal care, access to maternal health services, and postpartum support really just exasperate this disparity. You know, I think it's something like it's 25, you're 25 percent more likely as a black woman to die during childbirth in a first world country. Are we really, though? Can we still be classified? (laughs) I mean, and and that's that's staggering. It's like absolutely bananas. You can lose your life in childbirth in a hospital setting like this isn't people who are having at home childbirths. this isn't like we're in a you know in the the
0: backwoods
1: like, backwoods 1500s there's no midwife in, like yeah.
0: yeah it's it's yeah absolutely mind
1: blowing yeah it with is. all the
0: advances we've made in medical care that
1: this is happening that that statistic and i'm so curious i think you know as we go along in this month you know i'm curious about like the postpartum support Mm because i have a feeling because here in america we we definitely rely on the kind of the the family unit as we you know delved into last month and you know there's there's a lot of cultural differences Mm -hmm. and i just am so curious about you know Okay, what is the success rate and what's the the postpartum support like? Yeah. Because if you're maybe it's great. Maybe once they get out of the traditional healthcare setting and they get home, they're like, Oh, thank God. Okay. Um, I'm just I'm curious because I know that in the healthcare setting it's not good. It's not good.
0: Yeah. And I mean if like we talked about a few minutes ago, like if all these things are happening and it is a detrimental to, um, you know, folks' mental health, like how is that exacerbated by childbirth and postpartum mm. and not getting the care that they need? Yeah. tip of the iceberg. Right? Yeah. There's there's so much more. Um, it's an onion.
1: Layers and layers. Of layers. <laughs> now I want to go watch shreds.
0: So environmental factors also play a factor here. Play a role. Are a factor all of the above. (laughs) So women of color are more likely to live in neighborhoods with limited access to green spaces, healthy food options, and safe environments, which can contribute to health disparities. I have a big section here because- I I gave you that section. Yeah. Felt like you had a lot to say there.
1: So one of the reasons that these environmental factors are actually even even on the table as a disparity is because of the practice of redlining oh yes and i'm sure we've all heard the term we were probably fed it in some context in history class and things like that like balancing blow mm-hmm. of like oh this thing happened but now we've solved it it's, it's fine like we don't do it anymore Bullshit. okay so what is redlining The term originated from the practice of marking red lines on maps, like physical red lines on maps. Physical maps? What? Yeah. To delineate (laughs) areas considered too risky for investment, a.k.a. lending practices, Mm. by mortgage, often because they had significant populations of minority residents, particularly African Americans. What? So historically, redlining was widespread in the United States during the 20th century, particularly between the 1930s and the 1960s. It was shocking, Mm -hmm. explicitly carried out by government agencies, lenders, and insurance companies as a way to enforce racial segregation and deny economic opportunities to people of color. Under redlining, neighborhoods with high minority populations were systematically deemed high-risk or hazardous by lenders and were denied access to mortgage loans and other financial services. So that's all going on. Mm -hmm. The result is home ownership opportunities were severely limited to minority communities, perpetuating racial segregation and wealth disparities. The consequences of redlining continue to be felt today, as we have discussed. Right. So many of the neighborhoods redlined in the past still face economic challenges, lower property values, and reduced access to essential services and resources. Uh, So actually having emergent care, like a hospital within their kind of like county or district, um, pre-K, all of those kinds of things. affordable Affordable and high quality education. Parks.
0: I love parks, man.
1: So this historical practice has contributed to the racial wealth gap and has really just perpetuated this like systemic inequality, inequalities in housing, education, and just like overall access to opportunities. Like this is a very tangible thing where we can say this had a direct result and like it's, there's a, not just a correlation there, right? Like we can, we don't have to be like, well,
0: it doesn't take th- a lot of, uh, yeah. <laughs> mental gymnastics to figure
1: that one out. Yeah, That one, that's a really tangible, like we did this thing and this is the result. Yeah. I mean, and so many things stem from that, right? So like, uh, previously redlined communities, um, food deserts. So they, the, mm-hmm. it, the inability to have like good, healthy, affordable options for food. Yeah. Having to travel really far to find those options is is a um factor from redlining. I mean, the huge thing for me is like the the parks. Like there's yeah. so much data. It's been really, really hot these last few weeks everywhere. Yeah. And one of the things that you can see is redline districts, there's not a lot of green space. Which and well, tends to be a lot of like brick or concrete or asphalt, which increases the heat. So those right. areas tend to be ten to twenty five degrees warmer than Ooh. their like suburban counterparts. Um, and it's wild. They did a study recently, and I have a project go- going on in Boston where they go in and they pick one street and they. Do uh, they do plantings and they do they yeah, hammer up a bunch of concrete yes. and do a bunch of planting plantings, and then they track the temperature decrease over time, which is fascinating. It's like, super fascinating. Hey, if we just simply do this, which I say simply. Like it takes it's a lot of resources. Simple. It's not simple, but there is a way to help reduce heat exposure to communities and like beautify spaces and make it more enjoyable and like cover a wide swath of things by just taking planting more green space yeah by planting (laughs) trees and flowers and adding like landscaping
0: yeah it's a very simple concept and makes so much sense but yeah it takes a lot of effort i'm sure to actually get it done
1: yeah Yeah, a lot of coordinating and and things like that. And people always find a reason not to, right? Like, oh, where are those resources better spent? Well, I think they're pretty well spent there. Like, Like, there's a very tangible thing where if you do X, Y will happen.
0: Right? Yeah, I am sure that we could put a few less resources into militarizing everything and maybe more green space.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, we do have a resource for those of you who are maybe looking to learn more or maybe dive a little deeper. Uh, Mama might be, De- Mama might be better off dead. Say that right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mama might be better off dead.
0: <laughs> um, this is a book published in 1993 that delves into the lives of an African American family living in Chicago and their struggles with the healthcare system, which. can imagine for many. It's a call to action urging readers to confront the deep-rooted issues within the healthcare system and advocate for meaningful reforms. The book challenges the notion of equal access to healthcare and encourages society to confront the realities faced by marginalized communities, particularly women of color, in their pursuit of health and wellness.
1: Yes. It's a fantastic book. Uh, it's a recommendation of Shelby. She read it um, actually in college. She has a background in, in healthcare and things like that. And I remember um, just, it's it's fascinating. Also, more importantly, it's still relevant today and it was published 30 years ago. That can't be right. The book published in 1993. 30 years ago?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That math checks out.
0: I don't think it does.
1: So, if you're interested in learning more, definitely check it out. It's worth a read. It's fascinating. Who's the
0: author? We didn't have the
1: author written down. Uh, no. Um, oh, we're gonna look it up one by one. We're uh, we're looking it up. What is it, Mama? Mama
0: mm. might be, might be.
1: Uh, Lori that? K. Abram Abraham.
0: Oh, there, Lori K. Abraham. Wait. Mama might be better off dead. Check it out.
1: Check it out. I'm putting it on
0: my TB red list.
1: I will also put that in the notes. Awesome. Yay, we'll link to it. Yes. If you can find it at a local bookstore, do that, but yeah. Amazon, I'm sure. also yeah. Amazon does have it. That's what popped up. Yeah, so. Let's support your local bookstore. That's a whole nother subject. It is. Ooh, well, that was kind of a downer episode, but like, downer in the way that like, it's been 30 years, and that book is still relevant. That makes me like yeah. a little sad. Downward that, it's
0: a very frustrating topic.
1: Yes. That because we- it's so
0: difficult to make the changes that need to happen.
1: Yes. Again, because it's that multifaceted approach, and it's yeah. like you can change one segment, but that isn't going to correct all of the issues that have arisen from from various practices and Mm. thought processes so it takes a lot of coordination and we're hoping to advocate for that and be Mm -hmm. allies yes i get to be an ally yay Yay! it's fun and frustrating (laughs) fun and frustrating An alliteration if i've ever heard i do love a good alliteration (laughs) well that's a wrap for this week's episode so we have some Friends and listeners, yes. listeners who have been sending some messages and questions about like certain topics that are of interest to them, and we thought it'd be really cool if you'd like to discuss something or have us discuss it and research it and and do those things, then you should submit this to us yes. via Instagram. Yeah, I think at Shield be- Made in TC, at Shield Made in TC, and then in the whole month of October, we will start to pick different. Uh, submissions and explore and expand on those topics yeah. so that way you're you're getting to hear something that you're interested in or maybe learn about something that you hadn't really considered from another listener yes so do that we need all of those submissions by the end of september i don't uh, have a mid-september would Mid- be great mid-september because <laughs> i have to research them um yes. well, well Pick a date, and we'll give you that hard deadline. September 15th. September 15th. All your submissions need to be in by September 15th to TC on Instagram. Give us a cool topic. We want to research it. We want to talk about it. Well, I do. Amber down. Down. Amber's <laughs> along for the ride. <laughs> Always. I'm going to make her
0: research one. I've done some of... I've written some of the episodes. I know.
1: It's, but yes, I will research one. Yeah, great. Right we're gonna actually let's throw amber under the bus everybody I send him <laughs> things to make amber research that's it that's all i got all right great cue music cue music <laughs> <laughs>